a lot of it's about making a choice. You know, a lot of people say, well, where, how do you find the time? Where do you do this? Well, you make a choice. I know when I started running, I thought, oh my God, how can anyone run more than three miles on a weeknight? That's far too much time. Whereas now it's like six miles is nothing. That was Lisa Betke, and this is Episode 7 of the Inspired Souls Podcast. Hi, I'm Carolyn, and I'm a roadrunner. And I'm Kim, and I'm a trail runner. Welcome to our podcast, where we bring the communities of trail and road running together and explore the parallels between running and life. Lisa Betke is a born and bred Manitoban runner, which means she is a no-nonsense kind of girl. Super adaptable and resilient, by that I mean running in minus 40 degree weather doesn't faze her in the least, and she's also super fun to be around. I've had the pleasure of coaching her as she ventured into mountain ultra running, and since then she has continued to accomplish some pretty amazing things on the trail. Although she defines herself as a trail runner now, Lisa has completed a whopping 36 half marathons and 13 full marathons, as well as numerous ultras ranging in distance from 50 to 100k. She turned 50 this year, and in this podcast, she shares with us a little about her running journey and some secrets to thriving as you age. I hope you enjoy this episode with Lisa. All right, so here we are with Lisa. I'm really excited to have you on our podcast today, Lisa, and I know Carolyn is too. Welcome to Inspired Soul. Thank you. It's a a pleasure to be here for sure. For sure. I'm excited. So I'm going to play a little game with you at the beginning, Lisa, uh, as an icebreaker. So those listeners who have listened to our, our episode with Sarah Seeds heard me ask her a few questions at the beginning uh, to just get to know her a bit better. We're going to do a bit of, of a twist on that with Lisa. So Lisa and I have spent a lot of hours running together on the trail. We've yes. many. We've traveled to races together, including like 13-hour road trips, right? Yep. We get into it a bit later maybe, but she's paced me for 20 miles in the last 20 of a 100-mile ultra. Yeah. So you get to know somebody pretty well in that period of time, but I'm not sure how well I know Lisa. So I'm going to ask Lisa these questions, and then Carolyn's going, I've kind of told Carolyn my answers, and we're going to see if I was right. So Lisa. Inside or outside? Outside. Correct. I was correct. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're right, Lisa. You like to run outside. (laughs) All right. Another easy one. Road or trail? Trail. Kim got that one right, too. High socks or ankle socks? Ooh, depends on the season, but typically ankle socks. Ankle socks is what Kim said. Yes. Okay. (laughs) Three for three. Actually, about three years ago, I probably would have said high socks. But lately, you've been wearing a lot of ankle socks. Trucker hat or visor? Oh, trucker hat. (laughs) Ding, ding, ding. Yep, these are easies. Yeah, Lisa's the queen of trucker hats. That wasn't fair. She's got quite the collection. Okay. Buff or bandana? Buff. Definitely buff. Buff for the win. Uphill or downhill? Um, down. Oh, Ooh. oh. <laughs> Head uphill. <laughs> I struck out. Lisa's a machine on the uphill. Okay. Okay. So the, actually we have that in common. We both love downhill. Yeah. Um, here's another one. Two more. Handheld or a pack vest? Oh, definitely a vest. Yep. That's what Kim guessed. That was easy. Uh, I know. Yeah. This is more for our listeners. I, I've never seen you use a handheld, I don't think, ever. Last one, sunrise or sunset? Hmm. Probably sunrise. That's what Kim said. Holy, <laughs> just one wrong. That's that's amazing. You two know each other so well. All right. Yeah. Well, there there's some other ones I could ask, but that would just be a little bit TMI. A little bit too. <laughs> All right. So, Lisa. If you could, Lisa is, as we've mentioned, a a trail runner. She is an ultra runner, uh, but you have quite an extensive road running history. And I happen to know that you started running. Your first race was in 
2009, which was only 11 years ago, and you've accomplished a lot since that day. Give us a bit of of your running background. So tell us a bit about yourself and and how you started running. What got you into it in the first place? You know, I, I was never a runner. I know a lot of people have their stories of how track in high school and all of that sort of stuff. That was not me at all. I was active and doing other stuff, but I was not a organized sport kind of person. When I did anything, it was on the treadmill, work out a little bit, you know, do your, oh, back in the day, the aerobics and all the rest of that sort of thing. But uh, as life goes on, uh, becoming a wife and then a mom, there I was telling my child, get outside, be active, do something. And there I sat on the sofa watching TV. And so I finally kind of said, okay, let's be an example, not just someone nagging from the sofa. And I started running. I had a, a girlfriend who was training for a 5K. And uh, I figured, well, if someone else is doing it, I guess I could probably do that too. So I started running. And that's how it all began. That's awesome. So what was that first race that you did? The first one was the, uh, the resolution run the 5k on January 1st. So all, all of a fun run. So I finished. That's all I remember. <laughs> I was playing a bit of rec so- soccer at the time and had uh, sprained my ankle three weeks prior, but uh, it's kind of like a 2020 hindsight at that point. Hmm, there I am injured, but darn it, I had trained for that race and I was doing it. <laughs> you were training to be an ultra runner already. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so like, how did you follow a program? Did you join a running group or did you just kind of do what your friend was doing? How did you get to that 5k? You know what? I, I, I bought the running room book and I read it. That's how I did it. I was not, we live a little bit outside the city, so I didn't want to go into the city all the time. I ran with my friend a bit who was kind of sort of doing a loose program as well, but, uh, I just started reading a bit in order to figure out what I needed to do. And then after that, what happened? So sprained ankle, 5K, it was horrible weather kind of a day too, but I finished and all of a sudden you get that bug and it's like, hmm, well, I did it. It wasn't awful. I kind of enjoyed it. The finishing was the best. You know, it's great to cross that finish line and all the rest, but I think... (laughs) Oddly, because I didn't do it wonderfully, it bugged me that I had to and wanted to do better. And so it kind of pushes you to start going, hmm, what else is out there, right? And then you start Googling and finding out what other races are happening and and how you can move forward. So I just looked at all the fives and the tens and started, you know, going ahead that way. So you said your first race wasn't that great. It wasn't a stellar experience yet you wanted to do it more. So it wasn't that you fell in love with running from the first get-go. It was more that you wanted to improve, to prove something to yourself. Exactly. And Lisa, something you said in your story, I just wanted to ask a follow-on question about that because you're so right in that so often we we nag or we sort of bark orders at our children like get out get outside yes. but you're saying you know what you have that that sort of insight to be like hmm maybe if i was actually outside it would make my son want to get outside and it reminds me of that quote by ralph waldo emerson that says what you do speaks so loudly that i cannot hear what you say oh. you know and so i'm curious whether your son actually uh like how did that impact him seeing you uh, take to running the way that you did back in 2009? Actually, he started, he was running with me a bit even that summer. So him and I would run wow. together. Yeah. So it was good. It was, he was, um, he was a really good runner. <laughs> so it was something that him and I did in the earlier years. Yeah. Yeah. So And he did. didn't run before that? He, he no. kind of got into it because of you? Yes. That's amazing. How old was he at that point? Um, he was seven. Wow. Okay. So we'll just summarize. Lisa is one of the most modest, unassuming people I've ever met. She will never toot her own horn. So I'm going to do it for her. 
since then, and I didn't even know this until just recently, she has ran 36, 36 half marathons and 13 full marathons and oh, roughly 10 ultra marathons. So this story does not stop there. <laughs> Something happened, right? Like, so this wasn't just a, I need to prove something to myself. At some point, it became more than that. Correct? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It, well, it just gets under your skin. It's you enjoy it. It's it's climbing figurative bigger mountains all the time as well. Right. Like we said, start the fives and the tens and the halves. Then the next thing I was doing marathons and then the next eyeing up the 50 Ks and then the 50 miles and then the 100 Ks, right? It's like, and then it's, okay, flat's not good enough. What's a big mountain one? What's harder in a different way that I can do? And it just, it, um, it's, it's a wonderful thing. It's exciting. It's, um, it makes you feel alive every time. <laughs> So you're already giving us a little bit of an insight into your personality type. So let's, let's just jump in there. So what aspects of your personality have influenced your running? What about you has led you down the path that you have gone with running? I like goals. I like to have goals and something to move towards. Um, and so that's something that, you know, running certainly provides, right? Because you always have your schedule and your training plans and all of that. So it, um, I like that. I like the, the discipline of it, of having a schedule, knowing what you're doing. It's not all airy-fairy. It's, it's written down and it's a process that you can work through. And then there's that great reward of the race at the end as well. For sure. So you're, yeah, I would definitely say I've observed you to be a very disciplined person, um, very structured, very consistent, um, goal-oriented for sure. You like a challenge. So yeah, running can provide a person all of those things if they do it properly. Um, in fact, that's so we mentioned that um, I actually have coached Lisa, and that was one of the things I actually loved most about coaching you. You're super coachable. It's like I give you a spreadsheet and she's on it, like <laughs> no problem. Yeah. Um, so let, let's talk a bit about like um, you, you ran a whole lot of road running, mm -hmm. um, and then you transitioned into trail running and then ultra running. So talk to us a little bit about those different, let's say, phases of your running career? How did you and why did you transition in that way? Well, I guess I started on road because it just seemed to be that's what running was to me. But even that first year, I did do a couple small trail runs, just local ones. But I just kind of thought running on the road was where it was at. I didn't really know that there, I, at that point, I think I didn't even know there was such a world as trail running. It also becomes the friends that you make and what they're doing, right? It kind of leads you a little bit down that path. And so I ran a number of years on the road and then I found I got, I don't know, maybe burnout, I guess a little bit that it was, I was, I was falling a little bit out of love with running. It just, it was, it was a grind to get out there and to run. But then I had a girlfriend invite me out onto a local trail just for a Saturday morning in the fall run. And um, being on that trail and running, it was, my, my soul woke up suddenly and I had such a delight being out there. It was so much fun. Even as I kissed the earth a few times on that run, it was amazing and it just it woke me up and got me excited again to run that the next morning I woke up early and I went out to the same trail again and ran it again because I couldn't wait to be out there again and that just kept pulling me out and uh, suddenly then you start hearing and seeing more and learning more and then suddenly I was running ultra marathons suddenly yes <laughs> Suddenly, <laughs> uh, you know what, Lisa, your story is, it just warms my soul because that's, that's my story in many ways too. And, you know, she casually mentions kissing the earth and we all think, oh, that's so sweet. No, that probably <laughs> meant tripping on a root and slamming into the ground, correct? Oh, big time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
So this is, yeah, road runners tend to get overuse injuries and trail runners get traumatic injuries from falling into trees and onto rocks. But um, yeah. Okay. Wow. I'm smiling over here because uh, just listening to you, it's almost like I can I can feel like you just sort of got disenchanted with the same old, same old on the road all the time. And maybe the injuries were playing into that as well. But you you found the trails with your friend and it just seems like, I don't know, just something about your voice when you were describing that. It's like you lit right up oh, yeah. with this trail thing. You opened up into another world. So I'm curious from, you know... I, Obviously, on this podcast, I'm the road runner and, and Kim's the trail runner, right? Right. And, and you're both. And so I, I would love to hear from you. Like, do you have a preference now or do you can do you still run roads or are you exclusively trails now and exclusively the longer distances? Or do you ever go back and run a 5K? Like, talk to us a little bit about that. Um, I in, in training and daily. Yes, I will run on the road, right? During the week, that sort of thing. It's not always feasible to get onto the trails. Um, I, I never thought that I would ever say this, but I, I've used many half marathons and full marathons as training for my races. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's, um, you know, you'll figure out what's You around. sound apologetic about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's because the marathon was always, that's a huge, it's a big race, but to now go and go, oh, look, this one fits into my schedule. Hey, let's run that one. At least there's eight stations along the way. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's so true. <laughs> so, yeah, we pay to do training runs, right? Yeah, exactly. It's, um, it, I, I haven't done any tens or fives anymore, but I do the halves, um, less fulls for sure. But, um, I, I, it's sometimes nice to see if you can stretch your legs and if you can still run a bit quick. Um, cause I find that for me, uh, trail ultra marathoning, I'm slower than I was than on the road. So sometimes it's kind of nice to see where you are, where your fitness is, just kind of test yourself a little bit. It is hard to be good at both for sure. There's some runners that have done it and can do it, but you do sacrifice some leg speed when all you're doing is running in zone one for hours and hours and hours and hours. So yes, that's really wise of you. That's awesome. Yeah. So you transitioned your first ultra marathon was the Spruce Woods 50 miler. I'm yes. looking that again. <laughs> really? Your first ultra was a 50 mile? Well, I did a 50 K in Calgary there at the Calgary marathon. I did the 50 K there. So, oh, okay. Um, when right. it came to signing up for Spruce Wood, I thought, yeah, I've done a 50K. Let's try a 50 miler. <laughs> when you think of a 50K, you think, oh, it's only eight more K than a marathon. How hard can it be? It's a lot harder than 8K. <laughs> <laughs> Those marathoners that think the last, you know, six miles are hard, try adding on another five. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So we met each other right around that time. It was right around um, the spring of 2016 that we got to know each other a little bit. And you asked me to coach you. I believe it was that summer, getting ready for Lost Souls 50K in the fall um, or September. Tell me a little bit more about your why for seeking out a coach and for hiring me what made you feel that you needed a coach what did you want from a coach and then how did it go with with coaching experience sure um so it was starting into yes trail running is one thing but I knew that heading into doing ultra marathons on the trail was a whole new experience and an undertaking you know certainly Spruce Woods had taught me that in the spring So I knew I needed more information, more help, more assistance. And that's why I went to you. To schedule, to do all of that sort of thing is is mind-boggling. And as well, I found that on the road, when I looked at scheduling and such, it um, it was easier to follow plans. There was paces. There was all of that sort of stuff to put together. But when it came to running something like Lost Soul, that's like, tons of hill and all sorts of stuff like that 
I had no idea what I needed to do to train to be in shape to do, to tackle that race. And so that's that's where I needed certainly a lot of assistance because I don't think there's a set plan for ultra running. Like there's not, there's plans you can pull off, but I think everything is, you have to really specify plans to races. Exactly. Yes, I would agree. So, you know, plans in their simplest form have your mileage and your basic pace, but in ultra running, it very much is race specific. You want to try to train like you plan to race, right? So if if the run has a lot of climbs and a lot of hills, you want to match your training as closely as possible to that grade and the length of the hills if possible. Um, out in Manitoba, we had to get pretty creative, didn't we? Yes, yes. <laughs> it was fun. I had seen you run. I had seen you race. I had heard from you, heard about you from others. And, and that's why I asked you to coach because I liked what you stood for, who you were, that sort of thing. So I knew, I knew it would match a lot of what I wanted to be. Kim, were you involved in that race as well? Did you do it or did you go and crew for Lisa? I was out at Lost Souls and I believe I, sorry, at uh, Spruce Woods. And I think I only did the half marathon there that year because I had another race coming up like three weeks later. I think I did uh, that was the year I did the Grand Canyon 50 miler. But no, I was not there at Lost Souls in the fall. Um, we have actually only done a few races together, Lisa, haven't we? Yep. Yeah, there's a, there's a small number. We've got to change that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we, we raced Iron Legs together in 2017. We were on different relay teams, but we were there together. Yes. And uh, you paced me for my 100. But other than that, we've we've actually just done a hell of a lot of training together. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was there to cheer you on for your 100-kilometer run in Spruce Woods in 2017. So just a year later, Lisa placed first female in the 100-kilometer uh, event at Spruce Woods. Wow. Yeah. Congratulations. I wish I could Thank say you. it was all my awesome coaching. But, you know, she was just, uh, it was the right place, the right time, the right field. Yeah, and the right plan makes really it matter, too. True. You crushed that race. And uh, you came across that finish line still smiling. Like you looked amazing. It was oh. incredible. Well, I'm curious, Lisa. So you've you've gone from 5Ks back in 2009 to now 2017 and you're running 100Ks. So I'm just, I'd love for you to talk a little bit about what running has taught you, how it's changed you as a person because I think often especially with these longer races they really shape who we are in a lot of ways because the training does take up so much time and it is such a big part of your life so how what has running taught you and how has it changed you as a person um I'm sure it's probably taught me a lot more than I truly realize it has taught me but um the the discipline and knowing and the scheduling of course goes with it but um a lot of it's about making a choice that, you know, a lot of people say, well, where, how do you find the time? Where do you do this? Well, you make a choice. What, what do you want to do? How do you want to mm -hmm. do it? And, um, I know when I started running, I thought, oh my God, how can anyone run more than, th you know, three miles on a weeknight? That's far too much time. Right. Whereas now it's like yeah. six miles is nothing, but it, it's, you're, you're making your choice. What, what's important to you? I know that running makes me feel good. Running is something that, um, you know, even I have my family, you know, when you have your cranky day or whatever else, and they'll, they'll be like, go for a run. You're right. Like, just go, <laughs> go clear your head, get out of your head for a while. Um, and that's what running does that. It, it does get me out of my head, but it, it just, mm. it shows you day by day that if you plan, you can do something. Right. And anyone can do something, because if you had asked me, you know, in 2008, if I'd be having ran 100K, I would have thought you were nuts. Right. But, right. but you can dream. And if you plan and you go through it and you follow, you can be successful. Yeah, exactly. Like it just sounds, you know, 
10 years ago, you were like, how do people run, you know, five kilometers on a weeknight? And now through those series of what I would call like micro decisions, like you're saying it's a choice, like you probably don't feel like it every single time, but you know that if you just get out there and put one foot in front of the other, you're going to get all of those amazing feelings at the end of the run, right? And so- What would you tell somebody who might be listening to this thinking like they're in your shoes 11 years ago going, I don't know how I could run a kilometer or three kilometers. What would you tell somebody who who really hears what you're saying, but hasn't really put it into action yet? There was, I think it was a book I had read once and I can't even remember which book it was, but it was like when you don't feel like it and you want to get out, just put on your shoes and go. And, and just go for, yeah. okay, I'm just going to go for, like I'll say to myself even some days, just go for a couple miles. That's it. Just get out the door, right? And, mm-hmm. and whether it's a walk, whether it's a jog, whether it's a run, whatever you want to call it or do, get out and move. And it's that moving that empowers you to move more and, and feel mm-hmm. that success that you want to be out there. Um, certainly friends and camaraderie all come into it too, because if you can find someone that you meet and you go, that certainly helps the battle of getting out and moving. Um, like I said, when I yeah. started, I had a girlfriend who I got out with, right? So yeah. it, it helps, it, it, it moves you. Yeah, yeah. And, and it gets easier, doesn't it? The more you do it, it's almost like, the more you do it, the more you want to do it. Yes, for sure. If I take a few mm-hmm. days off, I find it's so hard to get back at it. It's paradoxical, isn't it? It is. It is, right? I, you know, there were times where I was what I called myself was the weekend warrior, right? It was all, I only ran on the weekends and it was hard, <laughs> right? But as you, you get out mm-hmm. and you run, you know, a few times a week, it's just easier. An object in motion tends to stay in motion, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, so let's let's dive into this a little bit deeper. So you just alluded to the fact that you are a very consistent runner, and I would say I've witnessed that year round. Lisa runs consistently. Rain, shine, minus forty, plus forty. We get it all here in Manitoba. Lisa's out there. You started running, like we just said, 11 years ago. That was, I'm going to share a secret. She's Mm -hmm. given me permission. That was at the age 39 for Lisa. She just celebrated her 50th birthday. And I mean, is she ever rocking 50? I I, like, (laughs) I want to grow up to be like you, Lisa. Like, seriously. So, okay. What advice? We're asking you to give advice to people now. Would you give or what? What things have you done that have allowed you to run healthy and sustainably in your fifth decade of life? You know, sixth dec- moving into the sixth decade of life. You know, what advice would you give to somebody who, who wants to keep running even though they might not be 20 anymore? I could say what's worked for me. It seems weird to say, but yes, running consistently is one thing that helps because if you do bits and drabs, it's hard and it's hard on my body. I find that I you need to take care of yourself, right? Obviously massages and um, while I don't do it as much as I should, I should stretch and that sort of thing. And that certainly helps. A lot of it is having that group of friends that you're out and you're enjoying it and you're enjoying life. Because if you're enjoying what you're doing, it's so much easier and it just keeps you happier. Mm, I love it. It's not necessarily the technical stuff. It's the spiritual stuff. Yeah. And, and that's very much it for me. You either fall in love and it works for you or sometimes it, it you know, it, everybody has a different love. But that's why not everybody's a runner because running's not for everybody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So you keep, ta- you keep coming back to your friends and your community and part of your running, I can just hear it, is that you have your tribe right? You have your running tribe. And that is one of the best things about trail running. I'll say that it doesn't have to be ultra. Even the shorter distance trail running community is very, I would say close knit, especially in a province like Manitoba, where we don't have a huge population and we don't have, you know, miles and miles of trails right out our back door. So we end up running in the same places, the same parks together, Uh, at least those of us that live, you know, in and around Winnipeg. 
and um, we get to know each other pretty well. We're tight-knit tribes. So within that context, who has inspired you along your running journey and why? It's funny because I, when I get and I think about being inspired to run and to be out there, it's not necessarily a, a specific person that always comes to mind. It's more examples of things. Well, I guess that is a specific person, but examples of what have happened in that person's um, just little bits here and there that I see and I think, right, that I think of, you know, whether it's someone who... Um, you know, has been knocked down and that they're back out there and you think, wow, right? Whether it's, you know, they had a, a DNF or something of that sort and yet they're still there pushing and, and moving ahead. Whether it's someone who, you know, you've, you know, perhaps battling a little bit with weight or motivation or even an injury and they're out there and they're working and keeping up at things. Um, you know, you, you see those friends who have those crazy busy schedules and they still fit in their training and they're out there and they're happy. That's the sorts of things that I think like how I have no excuses when you have people like this around you who you see just marvels every time you're out with them. Yeah, really who we surround ourselves with is so, so important and and contributes so much more than any of us realize, I think, to who we are as a person, right? And so when you're in that container and you have that tribe of people who are just inspiring you left, right, and center, it's hard not to just be swept along with it, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, and I think, too, in the trail I'll say in the ultra running community, especially for the very the longer ultras, it really does take a team. You know, we think of it as a solo event where you're out there running 100K, 100 miles, 50 miles, whatever you, you are doing. But often you have crew and what a crew member does is, you know, they're there with your stuff right? They're there at yep. aid stations to clean up your messes, <laughs> make shove food in your mouth, look at you and, you know, basically in a split second, they're expected to know what you need and then shove you out to keep going, you know, yes. um, along the path. Um, oftentimes too, you have a pacer who runs with you and um, you've done that for me. Mm-hmm. And I, I think we really, we do rely on each other, right? We need each other. Yes. I would say a I would venture to say a little bit more than in the, the road community. You know, you can still have people cheering you on at aid stations and a road marathon, but you're not allowed to touch that person. You're not allowed to run on the trail with that person, right? Whereas in ultra running, not only are you allowed, but you pretty much need to many of the times to keep keep the person from going off the trail, getting lost. Yes. <laughs> These kind yes. of things. Yep, to keep you yeah. powered through it and all the rest. Yeah, I have. Uh, I, I haven't hit the distances yet that I've had a pacer as yet. Um, I find that I tend to just make friends along the road with the races, <laughs> and you know, just end up running with people along the way and and meeting all sorts of people. <laughs> But uh, I certainly have had those friends at the at the aid stations, and you know that's the joy of the the long ones here that are local. That every aid station, you know somebody, right? Because it is mm-hmm. we all are you know volunteering if we're not running, and um, you know they kind of keep you keep you moving, keep you powered. You have quite a resume of races. I, I have them here in front of me. It's just mind-boggling, actually, how many races you've done in 11 years and long ones at that. Uh, I'm wondering if one of them jumps out at you as as kind of like a, you look back so fondly as like a, a really big accomplishment. Do you have a, a race that stands out as your favorite? You know, using the term favorite is hard because I, I, they're all my favorites, but, um, the one, one that, um, was amazing in my mind is the golden ultra that one, just because it was three days. So the first day was a 5k, but with a thousand, um, a thousand feet vertical in it. So you ran up the side of um, Kicking Horse Mountain. And then the next day was a 60K. And then the day after was a 20K. 
My goodness, I'm tired just listening to you. <laughs> Try coaching her for that when we live in Manitoba on a floodplain <laughs> at 700 feet above sea level. Oh. I was going to ask that earlier on when you were talking about that. <laughs> Tell us a bit more why that was your favorite race. We'll come back to how you train for it. Uh, yeah, uh, that one, you know, so Golden Ultra was just like I live in the prairies. There is just something about running through their their trails are amazing in BC, right? The the trails, the the greenery, the lushness of it all was just phenomenal. Uh, but then you come out onto the top of a mountain and you run the ridge line and there's just and then when you started you're in shorts and a t-shirt but at the top it's snowing right hmm. it just it's it's everything happened there it was just awesome not that it was everything went smooth and wonderful yes of course there was obstacles along the way and such but uh I finished and I think I felt pretty damn good that I finished after three days because I know the first day was yes it was a 5k but up the side and that was hard enough and it was hard getting up on Saturday morning for the next section but to have to get up on Sunday morning to head out to run more (laughs) was yeah I have to say I kind of sat there for a minute on the edge of the bed thinking have I really gone into this? <laughs> like, what, what was I thinking? <laughs> it's one of those put on your shoes before you do anything else. Just get those shoes on your feet. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, and you couldn't have been in a more beautiful place. There's nothing like summiting a climb in the mountains around Kicking Horse Canyon. Like, wow. Yeah. So how, how did you, do you remember how we trained for that one, Lisa? <sighs> Remind me. <laughs> So, okay, near Winnipeg, there is a floodway, which has a very small ski hill on it uh, called Spring Hill, and it has a climb of exactly 120 feet, depending on whose GPS you use, 119 to 122 feet. (laughs) Trust me, we know this. And in five repeats, you have done one mile if you go up and down that. So one time up is a tenth of a mile. And we would do hill repeats. Lisa did many, many repeats on that hill. The grade is about 20%. So it's a pretty decent grade. Um, We have the math right down to a science. But you would do up to almost 30 repeats on that on that hill yeah um six miles on the hill would be the goal plus a warm-up and a cool down yep there was a bit of treadmill graded up you know at 10 15 percent steady steady hiking or climbing friday night um yep (laughs) a few trips out to i think we were running um birch uh birch yep birch west of Carmen there a bit which had some not you know nice rolling hills beautiful but really it was just learning to to grind it uh using poles too learning how to use poles the training was definitely the race was the reward for that one oh right? definitely definitely <laughs> the training was just to get you there yeah. yeah found the love of hills there for sure yeah well and you're very good at them like insanely good at them you're just like a pit bull at those hills so that was your um what you would consider your favorite race or your your best running accomplishment we also learn a lot of lessons which propels us into having future awesomeness in our races from our failures right from those yeah. those perceived failures or those races that were much less than perfect And when we look back at those races, sometimes we actually do have a serious sense of accomplishment, even though we felt that we could have done better. Tell us about a time, you know, a race that maybe didn't go so well and what you learned, what that race taught you. Sure. Um, I'd have to say that would be my first attempt at Iron Legs. Um, I did it as a relay with a friend. Iron Legs is in Kananaskis. Alberta. So it's, um, it's a lot of up. Um, and it's, um, it was meant as a training for Golden Ultra. Thank you, Kim. And (laughs) (laughs) it's, uh, (laughs) we, we split. So, uh, my friend and I split the 50 miler as a relay. So 
you look at the charts and everything else, and I, it, it was essentially my first mountain race. And it was hard. It was hard. It was first time it was on leg three. And I know at one point it just didn't stop going up. Like it just never stopped. <laughs> Every time you'd come <laughs> up, there would be a turn and you'd think, okay, I hit the top. No, it was a switchback and there was more up. It was hard. <laughs> and it was I, hard. That it was, was a very hard race. So I actually just, I couldn't remember how much vertical was in it either. I just Googled it. Yeah. it you did the 100K relay that year, which total and so half of no, it. No, we did the, the 50 mile. Oh, sorry. So the 50 mile. Okay. So the 50 mile has 13,780 feet of vertical. Yeah. yeah. That's so, a lot. yeah. So during that leg. They don't call yeah. it iron legs for nothing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. No. So at one point I sat down, there was a log. I sat down. <laughs> I thought, <laughs> oh my. And I sat down and I thought, let's just take a minute. I think if there was any time where I've thought, could there please be a bear here to take me away? <laughs> that would be the time. I'm okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> the delusions um, that an ultra runner has mid-race, right? Yeah. So I, I sat there. I had some chews. I had something to eat and drink. And I sat there and one lady went by and then another guy went by and he kind of, are you okay? You know, like you always check on someone when they're, especially when they're sitting during a race. I'm like, no, I'm good. I'm just needing a minute. I'm right. I, I, that's the first time that I have ever felt I could quit. I could quit right now. I'm done. And then, as I said, it was a relay with a friend. There was no quitting. Right. And so it's, you get up, you start moving again. And uh, I think some of it is learning that uh, nutrition is very important, right? Mm -hmm. So taking that little snack break helped. Um, and the mindset, right? It's like, okay, let's just keep going one foot in front of the other, right? Uh, walking is faster than sitting. So let's keep moving. <laughs> <laughs> so, and luckily, eventually I hit the top and started down. And I think that's where I found out that I love down because gravity works with you. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. um, you know, and suddenly you're moving again and you're feeling so much better. And, uh, yeah, that I, I came, I know I came down around finally into the aid station and I, cause I just bounded down the hills. Finally, I guess everything kind of clicked a little bit. My mindset improved. I had something to eat. Like I said, all of that. And as I came in, there was the one guy who had passed me at that one point and asked if I was okay. And he's talking to the aid station person. He goes, oh, but there she is. So I guess she's okay. <laughs> so I guess he was, he was reporting that this runner didn't look very good on the trail. <laughs> See, we take care of each other, right? Yep. Even total strangers. <laughs> That's, right. That's right. Well, really, I mean, you are out there in the wilderness right? You're out mm -hmm. there in the middle of nowhere. Mm -hmm. So you do have to, um, we do watch out for people that aren't doing so well. Yes. So another aspect of that was you were running the first half of the relay, right? So yes. if you had just quit, your partner would have been like, that's it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Came all this just drove 13 hours. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So learning that, right? That just taking a moment to just recover and regroup Mm -hmm. made you realize that nothing lasts forever and you can yes. keep going. Let's not yep. catastrophize this, right? Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> um, probably served you well in future races, right? Yes. Oh, for sure. You know what? And it's, it's like, a, yeah, it, it's exactly that, is that sometimes you just need to stop and regroup, right? Because sometimes while there is a whole bunch of people running a race, you're not always around a whole bunch of people and you, you get into your own head and you pull yourself down sometimes. And so you have to stop, pull your socks up and keep going. hundred percent. So the other thing, other factor there too, is you were, you know, altitude does affect oh. your mind. 
So as you start running down, not only is your effort level going down, but you've got oxygen in your system now. (laughs) Yes. And that's, and it's for me, for myself, because that was my first experience at it. It was, um, it was an eye opener, right? Because while I might've heard about it and, and all the rest to, you don't get it until you experience it yourself. So you also said this was your training race for Golden Ultra. So look there, right? You learned that you can keep going. And so fast forward a few months to Golden Ultra on day three, there's no excuses. I can keep going, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and Lisa, you said it was also your first attempt at Iron Legs. So did you go back again another year and and try again? I have. I I went back uh, two years later. Yes. I can't say I blew it away because I did not. Um, it's still, I did pay homage at that spot at Lake 3, but <laughs> I did not sit down. <laughs> um, I did the 60K solo that time. And uh, oh, wow. it was, um, yeah, it was, it, it's still hard. Um, it still kicked my butt big time. And I want to go back again. <laughs> <laughs> And that's consistently what we're hearing from the ultra people is that it's almost that unknown and it and that adventure and that I wonder what's going to happen and how I'm going to persevere that that you're moving towards, right? A lot of times I think in life, that's what we're moving away from. Yeah, but it sounds like that mystery and the unknown is really uh, a carrot for a lot of the ultra people. And, and so I love that. And I love that you got that experience of um, nothing lasts forever. There's rough patches in every race, even short ones. There's rough patches and we go through them and we don't have to get so merged with fearful <laughs> thoughts mm-hmm. that, that, you know, our brains just go to, right? right? Worst case scenario thinking, that type of thing. You can actually learn to work with that differently. And I think it sounds anyways, like ultra is really give you that platform to to learn that lesson really well. So I'm curious from a, you've done the road running thing, you've done the ultra thing. Do you have a preference? I, I do prefer being on a trail. I do have to say that. It's, yeah. There's just, yeah, it's just so much nicer being that there's not traffic and cars and lights and all of that sort of thing that I can just mm-hmm. off I go and and run. Cause even when I did a lot of road and training, it was, it was at a park where I, I wasn't even really on the road per se. So mm-hmm. I just like to go <laughs> just to keep moving. Right. But yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I, I now definitely trail trail has my heart. It sounds like it. Yeah. I can hear it. in your voice. <laughs> So what's next for you? Do you have anything on the horizon? Uh, you know, well, this is an odd year, as we all know. Um, I was supposed to be doing a race at the end of June this year that got rolled over to next year. So that one is for 21. Um, that's the uh, Black Hills 50 miler. Um, and which, where is that? Uh, Black Hills, South Dakota. So that will be, yeah, it'll be... <laughs> in different kind of mountains, but mountains, it has a very high DNF rate. So it should be interesting to say the least. Um, (laughs) I think, yeah, it's got a very high, but I think it tends to be more because of the heat um, and hills obviously as well. But um, I've so far been okay with heat. So hopefully I will be successful there. I've, I've, touch wood been successful with my races so far so I hope it continues but uh other other than that I'm not I'm not sure what next year will bring so um maybe iron legs again we'll see (laughs) I I think you will you need to go back to that race you've got unfinished business there yeah yeah you know it's I I try to right now when I'm thinking of races and that it's I try and find somewhere new to go to right? Uh, when I rode ran, I tended to do the same races again and again, because you become loyal, 
right? And now with trail races, it's, I want to experience somewhere new. I want to see another part of the world. Well, for me so far, it's North America, but, you know, just to see somewhere different and experience somewhere different. And that's what helps me decide where I want to go, what place excites me and that I want to go to. So I'll have to do some more research and look and see what excites me for 21. I can't wait. I can't wait to hear (laughs) what comes up next year and the next year. Maybe I'll have to come in your suitcase. That's right. That's (laughs) right. Come through for you. Yeah, yeah. That's the other thing is we find excuses to travel with each other. That's right. Um, Just, you know, bouncing back to you said Black Hills has a very high DNF rate and that's a factor, did not finish rate. You know, it made me think that, you know, with ultra running, um, it's not so much when did you finish? What was your time? It's did you finish, right? Yes, exactly. (laughs) Like like even finishing a race, you know, there can be upwards of 50 to 60, you know, 40 to 50% um, did not finish rates. So just, just getting to the end can be a huge accomplishment in and of itself. Well, even when you look at, like, I yes, I've done Iron Lakes twice. Well, once was scorching hot, and the second time it snowed. So, right. you know, a little bit of a different race. Yeah, same trail, same place, totally different race. And yeah. that can be in road and, and trail oh, for sure. running too, yeah. right? So switching gears a little bit, uh, Lisa, but still on the topic of running healthy and strong into your 50s, you have made some changes this year with your diet. And I happen to have known you for a few years now. Yes. And I've seen some pretty awesome changes with you. You are rocking it. We need to talk about what you've done, why, and what the results have been, and how, what you found with these dietary changes. So tell us about it. Sure, sure. So you know, it, it happened around New Year's and probably a lot of bit of re- resolutions and everything else that happened. But I think with ultra running, I found when you're running high mileage, you can eat what you want and all the rest I found and I did okay. But I just found that it was starting to weigh on me a little bit around the waist and just everywhere else. So I've I was watching and doing some research. I'm not a huge diet person and everything, but reading up and learning a lot about plant-based diets. And so I thought, okay, I need something to reboot myself, right? Like figure out, let's try and be healthy. Because I was, I think I was becoming healthy. Things that were treats were no longer treats. They were becoming every day. So I decided to move towards plant-based. And with that, I, I, stopped meat. I stopped dairy. I stopped eggs. I was eating a lot of sugar. I stopped that. And I did it quickly. I didn't try and phase things out or anything. I'm not kind of that person. I'm not very good at that. So I just stopped and made a a switch. And it's really, it's, it's helped me amazingly. You know, I, when I did this, I thought it was just going to be a short term, a reboot, get, you know, make nutrition important again right? Remind myself what's important, what's good to eat and all the rest. But I found quickly, and I mean quickly, like under a week quickly of changing my diet, how my body felt better. How when I got up in the morning, my ankles, my my knees and everything else, my joints felt fine, felt good, in fact. And that that brain fog that was starting to settle wasn't there. And of course, there's always a bonus that I also drop some weight quickly too. But um, the just the feeling good and feeling lighter was was amazing. And uh, because of that, I've kind of continued on. And it's been since New Year's that I've been going away, going along with this. And it's I, I'm not a hundred percent. You know, I, I try very close to stay. Uh, you know, most of my diets vegetables, legumes, beans, all of that. I I do occasionally have some meat, but rare, really rare now because I know how good I feel without it. Well, I've really observed how you've changed. Like you are always awesome. You've always been awesome, (laughs) but you do seem different. You look amazing. And I don't just mean slim. I mean, your skin glows, your hair glows, your eyes are bright. 
and you're calm. Like you have a great energy about you this year, which is amazing given that we've been in the middle of COVID (laughs) and most people, you know, everybody's freaking out to some extent, Yes, but you've bucked that curve. You haven't gained the COVID 10 (laughs) and you're doing something right. So I just had to dig a bit deeper with you on that. And one thing I've observed with you is you actually seem to enjoy the cooking part and the adventure into this plant-based thing. Yeah, it's, it's certainly, yes, it's certainly been in maybe COVID has a little bit to do with that too, is the fact that you have the time, right? And I, but I'm enjoying, you know, finding new recipes. There's so many different spices and grains and recipes and it's, you know, a big part is keeping it interesting and exciting, right? Being prepared, yes, and cooking and having stuff available, but um, just challenging your palate. And, and there's just so much that you can do with plant-based to do that. And it's fun. The hardest part is keeping track of all the great recipes you learn and make. Right? So I'm hearing from you, this is like not a temporary thing. Like this, this is something you plan to keep doing for a long time now. I do. I, I, I see no reason why to go a different way when it's been such a, a huge um, bonus to my life. That's great. Super interesting. So as we kind of start to wrap this up, mm-hmm. before we um, finish, we do have five rapid fire questions that we ask every guest on our podcast. Okay. And so Carolyn and I are going to kind of tag team with you here. And we're just going to start if, if that's okay with you. Sounds great. What is your favorite mantra? <sighs> I'm not a huge mantra person, but I, I do when some, when I'm stuck in a tough spot, a lot of times it's this too shall pass. Mm, good one. But I tend to be more of, uh, what gets me through usually is I have a silly, stupid song that gets stuck in my head from the radio. And usually every race, there's one song that has been stuck in my head the whole race. Cause I don't <laughs> listen to music or anything when I run. So <laughs> that tends to get me through. (laughs) Lisa, if you could teleport yourself anywhere in the world tomorrow to run, where would it be? Um, Makawao Forest, which is on Maui. And it's, uh, it's not where I've never done a race there or anything. It's a, a decent sized trail, but it's essentially rainforest side of the volcano in the upcountry. That's just phenomenal. Phenomenal cliffs, mountain, everything. It's a beautiful, beautiful spot. Mm. What run is on your bucket list? Mm. This is one that I don't know if I will ever do, but it's one that maybe we'll see if I ever get there or to that distance and such. But Hurt 100 is one that just excites me. Okay, this isn't going to be so quick because I have to interject here. I have to dive down this rabbit hole for a moment. You have managed to accomplish what a lot of runners haven't, which is you've avoided FOMO. You're disciplined not only in your training, but in your choice of races. You haven't gone crazy and just jumped into the 100 miler right off the bat. So this is really interesting for me because we've ever actually talked about your 100 bucket list. So now I know what it is. (laughs) Yeah. Ooh, yeah, that one. I'm salivating. That one, <laughs> that one is, uh, <laughs> yeah. Again, it's one of those that's just. It looks amazing. It just looks amazing. So that's the. Um, oh, what does Hurt stand for? Is it Hawaii Ultra Running Team? So it's on Something Oahu. Like yeah, on Oahu. Yeah. So in, it's in January. Yeah. yeah, and it's it's hard to get in. It's you know all of that sort of stuff. I think there's a lot of requirements and all the rest. So it's like like you said, I I have I haven't really looked at hundreds. So I think you have to do a few before you can even do this one. So bucket list as in a pie in the sky kind of bucket list race. Yeah, it take a few years, but you yeah. know. Wow. Okay. Anything possible. Yeah. Hand up to crew. Hand up to come to Hawaii with you. <laughs> yeah, right exactly. Over here. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I could volunteer for that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do you have a favorite running book or movie? Um. You know, I, I always think, oh, it's a great book. It's a great book, and then I read another one, and I think that's so. It tends to be the book. I'm working through or reading or that sort of thing. So right now it's, uh, it's called oxygen advantage that I'm reading. Um, 
it's it's more about breathing and how it affects mm. you and even not only in the sport but just your physics and everything else it's really quite um, it's it's interesting cool i love it okay final question mm. what is your favorite post run indulgence I, I, there's nothing specific of anything. It tends to be more of those salty, like the chips and that kind of thing. That tends to be what I, I go for after. Okay. So before we let you go, um, Lisa, is there anything we haven't covered that you would, you would just like to share with our listeners? Anything at all? Um, I think with running, it's important just to be you. That uh, I know you said, Kim, about FOMO and all the rest in that. Do what works for you. Yes, listen to others and everything, but just do what makes you happy. Don't do it because others are doing it and it looks like it should be the way to go. Make it work for you. And that's, I think, part of the longevity of running is keeping yourself happy. I love it. That's that great is advice. So, so true. Well, thank you so much thank for um, coming on our podcast, Lisa. It's been great to, to talk to you more and to hear more of your story. And I think, you know, your story has a lot of things in it that a lot of people could really benefit from hearing. And uh, I wish you many more decades of running yes. uh, with me yep. <laughs> in the future. Yep. <laughs> and we have a whole world to explore, right? There's we still do. so many places left to run. And uh, it's, it's, uh, it's part of the, the joy. So yes. thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you, Kim. Thank you, Carolyn. Yeah. Yeah. It was just really fun getting to hear your story. And, and again, thank you for sharing it with us. Thank you for staying true to yourself and really just following, it sounds like your heart with, with your running journey. It's, it's very, very inspirational. And I know a lot of people get a lot of value out of this. So thank you for your time tonight. Thank you very much for that. Thank you. Thank you.